to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the second morning service of Sunday the 25th of February 2018, entitled Triumph Over Transition, and the Bible reading is taken from Joshua chapter 1. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. So thankful for the conference, so thankful for the young people. I appreciate Brother Dave and his ministry to not only your heart but mine. Uh, thank God for uh, Pastor and his family. What a great honor it is to be at Bethel Free Baptist Church this weekend and the Sword of Spirit Conference. So thank God for the people here and your servant's attitude. Uh, I told Brother Dave and I were talking. I said I felt like, you know, when you hear the story about Daniel in the lion's den, I come to a conference like this and I feel like a lion in a den of Daniels. Amen? Because you guys impressed me. Thank God for the privilege of being here. I want God's power to be upon this day. Sometimes we get weary and we run out of gas. We feel like we do in the tank. Uh, but um, I want to be uh, as on point and try to, uh, to ring the bell this morning. Uh, Dave has already preached a phenomenal message about opportunity. I want to kind of dovetail on that. I want you to look at uh, Judge, uh, Joshua chapter number 1. Joshua chapter number 1, look at verse number 8. We'll start at verse number 8. We'll, be, we'll finish at verse number 11. But I want you to look at this amazing passage. Now, God has given a pep talk to his new leader. Joshua comes on the scene. Moses, he said, my servant is dead. By the way, folks, it's always, you know there's some acts that's just hard to follow. Moses was a tough act to follow. This guy had an amazing, amazing ability to lead people. How would you like to try to lead 3 million, conservatively speaking, 3 million people out of captivity from bondage of Pharaoh and the Egyptians and lead them into a promised land? You know, I don't know about you, but it's hard to take my family to Walmart. Can you imagine, or Asda, it's hard to take my family there, much less to try to take 3 million people across a journey, not knowing how you're going to be provided for, not knowing where your food's going to come from, your sustenance. And you know what? There is a... A transition now from Moses to Joshua. Can I say something to everybody in this room? We talk about opportunity. Sometimes it's real hard to take, to seize hold of the opportunity when you're in a moment of transition in your life. There may be somebody I'm talking to this morning and you're in a transition period. Can I say something about transition? Transition makes us scared. I'll be quite honest with you. When you transition from uni to the public workforce, when you transition from being single to being married, amen? Come on, married couples, help me out there now. I told somebody this morning, I'm the man of my house, and I have my wife's permission to say so, amen? I saw a bumper sticker that said that one time. There's truth to that statement. Ladies and gentlemen, there's, there's, listen, there's a fearful thing about transition. Not only are they transitioning from a leader, but to a land. They are going from a place where they've been met now for 40 years. God's met their need, preacher. Every single day, God has met their need. He has drained manna out of heaven. Every day of their life, they've been met. Their needs have been met. They've been fed from heaven with what it, the Bible calls manna. It's angel's food. It's about the size of a Reese's cup. Amen? No, I'm just playing. Anyway, uh, if you don't like Reese's cups, you need to get saved. Amen? You just need to go ahead and get saved. Get right with God. 
There's going to be Reese's Cups and Snicker Bars flowing through the river of life. Off the tree of life, you'll be able to pick a Snicker Bar right off of it. Amen. Not a calorie in it. Amen. But ladies and gentlemen, there's a transition. And can I say this, Antonio? Everything in life that's a transition sometimes because it's uncertain can be fearful. I don't know about you, but I've had transition times in my life where I didn't know. I had the, the uncertainty of the future. Hey, you know what? It's easy to, listen, it's easy to determine, Isa, the will of God looking back that way instead of looking that way. I can look back and see what God's done and his will for my life. But Alex, sometimes looking that way, it's hard to discern the will of God. And there's a transition period going on, Daniel, in this time in which not only a leader, but a people are going from a different place to a land that's promised to them. And by the way, Canaan is not heaven. Preacher Daniel, when I go to heaven, I'm going to a place that's prepared for me. I ain't going to have to go and fight for it. They had to go into Canaan and fight for that land. And we're talking about soldiering. And you know, I know some of you, you don't want to be in the military. You don't want to have nothing to do with the military. Some of you are totally abjectly opposed to the military. But I've just got to be honest with you. I was one of them. I love the fact that I serve my country. I love that fact. When I'm cut, I bleed red, white, and blue. Amen. Not just red. Red, white, and blue. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad I served my country. Not only did I get saved through the Marine Corps, I was called in the ministry while I was in the Marine Corps. And I'm here to tell you right now that when I got saved and God, I just, love, I just love the fact that God saved me. And he called me in the ministry. And do you know what? I got a new fight. Because now I'm a soldier of the cross. And the Bible says that we ought to endure hardness as a good soldier. No man that warreth in Warth in this world entangle himself with the things of this world that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And so what I'm saying is this. It's scary when you go through a transition period. The pep talk starts this way. Look at verse number 8. He said, God said to his new leader, he said, you make sure the people know this. This book, Peter, of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according that all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. We talked this week about the believer and his Bible, the soldier and his Bible, the soldier and his behavior. But we've also looked, David, at the soldier and his battle. The soldier and his Bible, every single person in this room has at your disposal the same word that Jesus used in the wilderness against Satan himself. Can I say this? The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen? Psalm 119.89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. I'm so thankful that, by the way, that the Bible says that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word, Malcolm, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen? We not only have the Word of God, but we have the God of the Word. The soldier and his Bible. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. 
but you meditate therein day and night. David said these words. He said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. I want to ask you something. David said, O God, thou art my God early, will I seek thee. Can I ask you a question from here to the back row? How early was it this morning that you sought him? Somebody told me one time, they said, I like to do my devotion at night before I go to bed. I said, to be quite honest with you, sir, I was in the military. I like to put my armor on before I go into battle, not after I get out of the battle. I get up early, and I spend a little time with the one who said, Brian, I'll give you everything plus bonuses that the devil arrested away from you in the Garden of Eden. I'm going to give it to you because it's your possession. By the way, folks, we don't have to sorrow as those with no hope. Can I get an amen right there? We don't have to sorrow as those with no hope. My son's in heaven. You want to know why I know that? Because the Bible says it. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, those that have claimed the name of Christ, those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ, the moment they take their last breath on this earth, they're in the presence of Almighty God. And I'm going to see my son again. Everybody in this room has promises that God made you. And you can take them to the bank. God gave you promises. Here's what I love, Peter. We don't have to walk around this world with sorrow about knowing where Miss Diane's at. Amen? Because I know that the, the songwriter said, Some glad morning, when this life is o'er, I'll fly away. I don't think my arms are going to get tired either in that flight. Amen? Because I'm going to be with Jesus. You say, preacher, all that is is a bunch of a bunch of hogwash that you could rest on and you can use it as crutches to prop you up. No, you know what? You can take God's promises to the bank. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that ain't a, listen, that ain't a Baptist term. That's a Bible term. You say, what's your, what's your point? Transition. Some of you are in a transition point and it's a struggle. It's a war. You're in the battle. You're not in the bed. You're in the fight. You're not out fooling around. You say, well, preacher, why is it so hard? Because, folks, many things that scare us are things that are uncertain. You know, Dave said he, do, he knows that God has made him for such a time as this. I believe that, brother. I believe God's put you in a strategic place. He's given you a calling and a gift, and he's given you that calling up there to Washington, D.C. that he hadn't given me. But, by the way, he's placed a calling and a gift on my life that Dave doesn't do. I can reach rednecks. Amen? <laughs> you do too, I know. There's a bunch of them up in Washington too. Some of y'all don't know that. That might be a colloquial term we use in America. But a redneck's a person that drives a big old truck, got a dog in the front seat, gun rack in the back, load of wood, spitting tobacco out the window. Amen? Y'all seen it on TV. There ain't a lot that's wrong with that. Amen? It's not a lot that's wrong with that. Maybe the tobacco... Amen. But I'm just saying, here's where you're at in your life. Some of you in this room are scared to death because of the uncertainty of the transition that you're going through. Look at what he said to him. He said, I know this is hard because guess what? You're getting closer to the promise. Y'all know that? God told them, he said, I'm going to bring you into a land. A land which flows with milk and honey. That's your promise. I got a promise, Rob. I'm going to an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away, Dan, reserved in heaven for me. 
And ladies and gentlemen, we need to take the promises of God at face value. Don't just think he's talking to some people that were wandering through the wilderness. No, this was written not to you, but it's written for you. Ladies and gentlemen, he says this. Look at it, Frazier. Verse number 9. He said, be strong and of a good courage. And be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. Oh, I love this, Shelley. For the Lord thy God is with you. Can I say it again, Panos? The Lord thy God is with you. Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Oh, listen, Brother Downey. I've got a God. And I hope that this equates to British terms. But I've got a God who's got my back. <laughs> I got a, he said, I don't care if you're married. I don't care if you're single. I don't care if you ain't got kids or if you do got kids. I don't care if you're unemployed. I don't care if you are employed. I don't care if you're rich or poor. I got your back. He said, be strong. And of a good courage. And be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever. Wherever you're at. Whatever disease you're going through. Whatever heartache that you are going through. Whatever job loss you're going through. However many people antagonize you and talk about you. And call you some holy roller or some freak because you love God. Let me tell you something. Jamie, God's got your back. But what do you do? Can I talk a minute so I don't have to shout and holler all the time? Can I just talk to you a minute? What do you do? Do you understand? And this didn't make no sense to me. Look at verse 10. It started to make sense to me after I read these next two verses. Look at what it says in verse number 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, Pass through the host and command the people saying, Prepare your... Vigils. Sounds like you're preparing for battle upstairs, ain't it? Prepare your vigils. I've got a good English or American colloquialism to this. It's prepare your vittles. Prepare your food. You say, what's the significance of that? I'm going to get to that. Look at it. Prepare your vigils for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go to, the, to, to possess the land which the Lord your God, what's the next word? gives you to possess it. Now I want you to look up at me. Think about this. Every one of you in here has got a promise. Now don't get the promise confused with the provision. You say, what do you mean? It didn't make sense to me, Penos, until I read another portion of Scripture to this. Here they are in transition. And you say, what's the transition? They're going, Brother Dave, from... Wandering in the wilderness. And in Exodus chapter 16, you don't have to turn there. But it says that God fed them with manna for 40 years in the wilderness. Until the time they came to the border of Canaan. Here's what happened. Now some of y'all going to get this in a minute. I'm trying to get this plane off the ground, okay? Just hold on with me now. The closer they got, Dave, to the promise, the provision stopped. Now, you would think it would be reversed. The closer you get to the provision, or the promise, you'd think the provision would be flourishing. 
But God says, wait a minute. I'm going to feed you. Do y'all know how much bread it would take to feed three million people for one day? Think about this now. It would take 50. Y'all have got rail systems, right? You've got railroad systems. It would take 50 boxcars full of bread to feed 3 million people conservatively every single day, but God did it every day for 40 years. Every day, Alex, he fed them with manna from heaven. All they had to do was stick their arm out the, the tent and go, all right, God, I've been waiting. This is what we've done for the last 40 years every day. Just come on with it. Sounds like a lot of, a lot of Christians, doesn't it? Just come on, God. Just keep it coming. Bless me. Give to me. And they've got their hands out of the tent and God's providing for them. But guess what? What happens? Y'all with me? Say amen. What happens when what used to work stops working? What do you do if it were when you're sticking your arm out the window, out the tent, if you will, and God stops raining down manna? What do you do when it stops working? See, some of you in this room know what I'm talking about. Because what used to work in your life has ceased to work the way it used to. And here's the big difference. The provision is what God uses to sustain you to get you to the promise. Let me go a little deeper. The provision is a bridge. God provided you a bridge to get over to your promise, but guess what? Some of y'all have living on the bridge. Why would you build a house on a bridge? Only homeless people live on bridges or under them. And yet God said, and by the way, you know why the reason God does that, Antonio? Is so you don't fall in love with the provision. See, if you only look at the provision and not the promise, you'll love the manna and not the land God promised to you. Come on now, help me out. Somebody help me. I'm, I'm preaching better than you shouting. Amen? I'm just saying this. Some of you in this room need to understand that God's got a bridge for you. Listen, provision is the bridge. The promise is the land, the house. I don't know who this is for, but I'm talking to somebody in this room. And you're going through a scary time because whatever it or somebody is, is in the way of you getting to your promise. What do you do when it stops working, Beth? What do you do? By the way, if I could subtitle this sermon, I would call it How to Triumph Over the Transition. Because it scares me. By the way, when there's something that's consistent in your life, Dave, like this, and it starts to get restricted... Guess what we do? We panic. I can't breathe. Because we're just used to it always coming. Have you ever thought to yourself, because I read this passage in Joshua chapter 1, Peter, and I go, why in the world? Here they are, farmers. They're going from being farmers to fighters. And God says, listen, I fed you for 40 years out of heaven. But guess what? The closer you get to the promise, the blessing and the provision is going to stop. That's why it makes sense in verse 11. Look at what it says. Verse 11 says, and I don't know what I did, but it's a gone. Pass through the host and command the people saying, prepare your victuals. Prepare your food. Now, can I ask y'all a question? Don't that sound kind of strange? These people ain't cooked a meal in 40 years. They ain't cooked nothing. They've never had to make a meal because God provided. By the way, his name is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide himself. 
Ladies and gentlemen, why is God now stopping the provision the closer you get to the promise? You don't know why? It's so you'll love the land and the promise more than you loved the manna and the provision. Can I ask you a question? Think with me. God gave me three words out of this, and I'm going to be quick because there's chicken, and when the bell stops ringing and it's done, I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat. I want you to look at three words I saw in this passage. Number one, pass. Write these down, and I'll give you a few side notes. Number one, pass. Number two, prepare. And number three, possess. Pass, prepare, possess. Now, you know I've asked myself this question, Brian, and I'm bad about talking to myself. They say it's really scary when you answer. But can I ask you to think with me for just a moment? God's been feeding these people for 40 years. They didn't have to cook nothing, yet the closer they got to the provision, to the promise, the provision ceased. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question today. What are you, listen, and by the way, God gives them a command. He said, listen, it's going to be tough. You're going to have to go in and fight for the land. I'm not just, I've given it to you, but there's going to be some skirmishes that you're going to encounter. Amen? There may be a car accident. It may that you're, you're, you're kind of low on finances. You don't know what the future holds, but thank God we know who holds the future. Amen? But ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that when you get closer to it, God says, be strong. Be strong. I speak to you young people in every area of your life, whether you've got anxiety, whether you don't know what you're supposed to work in the future, whether you've got a dysfunctional family. I'm telling you right now, God says, be strong to every mental issue, to every person in this room that's lost somebody they love very dearly. The Bible says, be strong, Neil. Be strong. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. He said, for I've got your back. I'm with you whithersoever thou goest. And then he says this. He says, it's time for you people to pull your, I better not say pants. I've done that before in England. I know what that means now, amen. And I just said it, so forgive me. Pull your trousers up. Dust yourself off, you know. You know, dust yourself off. Square your shoulders. He says, Joshua, you command these people to do what? Three things. Number one, he said, pass through the host. Pass through the crowd. God gave me a thought while I was preparing this months ago for my church. Brother Dave, we have, we have tried to replace development for just fellowship and church time. Let me tell you something, folks. When you come together, this fellowship, this fellowship is for encouragement but not development. Your development start, starts when you get in the fight. That's where it starts. And the problem with this passage is if you look at it, he says, I want you to command the people saying, pass through the host. I have found this out, ladies and gentlemen. Somebody needs this. It is very difficult to fit in and stand out at the same time. Boy, I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you right now, that's heavy, but it's good. It is hard, Malcolm, to fit in and stand out at the same time. Can I ask you something? What young person in here, what mom or dad in here, 
is trying to pass through where others are stuck. Or maybe you're stuck in what God called you to pass through. I love this phrase in the New Testament in the Gospels. It, listen, it says, it came to... It never came to stay. It came to... And what person am I talking to in this room who's living in a situation that you're stuck in when God said, pass through it? By the way, you can't fit in and stand out at the same time. You say, preacher, go a little deeper. Somebody say, go a little deeper. Thank you. I was in, I was in Mexico with Weldon Jones. Weldon Jones, dear friend of ours, he's in heaven today. Man, this guy loved God on the mission field for 38 years, started 12 churches. I preached in eight of them. I'm telling you, we had a wonderful time. Pastor Voss was with us, tell the crazy jokes. I love that. I miss him so much. But we were on that trip, and Weldon Jones brought the Jeep that we were driving in, Panos, to an abrupt stop. Ever dust billowing out the fender wells. We got out the truck. We went over, and he said, hey, Brad, come here. And he took what looked like, what looked like a lizard off of a tree. He picked it up. You couldn't see it when it was on the, on the leaf. It was green as it could be. Took it off the leaf, put it on my jeans. It turned blue in 5.5 seconds. Just like that. And I said, wow, lizard's in technicolor. He said, no, that ain't a lizard. He said, it's a chameleon. See, here's the problem with a chameleon. A chameleon can't defend itself. It don't have no defense mechanism. The only thing it has is a defense mechanism of evasion, of escape and evasion. So what it does is it changes colors to whatever environment it's in. Because it cannot protect itself and combat the enemy. And I thought to myself, you know, that's pretty neat if you're a chameleon. But it's absolutely terrible if you're a Christian. We don't need Christian chameleons that just, just fit right into every little, you know. Huh? Come on now. Because some of y'all, last Saturday or last Sunday, you wasn't in church. Ah, it's amazing, isn't it, how we can have more fun in the club on Saturday night than we can on church on Sunday morning. Huh. See, I know kids in our country who can fit in just right. I'm in Christian school, Christian university, and they can fit in Monday through Thursday. Got Friday off, no classes. You know, juniors and seniors, they don't plan. No classes before 8, no class on Friday. I don't even know why you go to school. Just go and buy a diploma somewhere, you know. I mean, and then and, and, and you get to, you go you go to school, and on Saturday night it's and you're just going crazy, and yet, but you come to church on Sunday, and the the listen, the promises of God are saying, and you can't even raise your hand. You don't know why? It's because of what you did Saturday. Because see, you can't fit in and stand out at the same time, Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they named them, Hananiah, Azaniah, Mishael. Guess what? They were easy to pick off by the enemy. Because guess why? They stood up while everybody else bowed down. It all comes back to this, don't it, Brother Dave? We've talked about it how long in our ministry now? 100 years? Choices and consequences. You have to make a decision, Mom. You've got to make a decision, sir. Dave, we've got to make choices. And I have decided I can't give up. I've come too far. I've come too far. The world behind me is the cross before me. I've come too far. My friends that used to be my friends back there, they don't even get it anyway. So why hang around them? They don't get it. 
So he says, pass through. By the way, do you know everybody in the Bible that got a blessing from Jesus had to pass through a crowd? Maybe you give up too quick. The woman that had an issue of blood, she was trying to get through the crowd just to touch the hem of his garment. By the way, I love this about our God. We know that the Old Testament high priest was an unapproachable person. He couldn't be touched. But the New Testament says, for we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched. We've got an approachable God, Beth, that is not only approachable, but he's touched with the feeling of my old Peter. We've got a God who's touched. He's touched with the feeling of your infirmities, friend. Ruth, he's touched with the feeling of your infirmities. I know, I've been there. Young lady, he's touched. He was unapproachable in the Old Testament, but now we have a God who says, I not only got you back, but I want to spend time with you. I want, to, I want you to come to me. I don't know if I can contain it. That I've got a friend. I've got a friend. You think I'm your friend? Oh, I love every one of you so much I want to take you home. But we got a friend that's always there. He's always there. And I'm asking you, are you like the woman with the issue of blood? She said, I've spent all my money. I have no resources left. I don't know who's going to heal me. But if I can just get a touch. Oh, you mamas, you know what a touch will do. They put a group of nurses together. Dave, they put babies in one birthing center, babies in another birthing center, same hospital. They told these one nurses over here, Shelly, you're getting ready to understand a little bit of this. I know you, you've been preparing to be a mom your whole life. Oh, I love y'all. But I'm going to tell you what's unbelievable, Rob. They told the nurses on my left, don't touch the babies. Don't administer any type of physical attraction to the babies. Just feed them. Just change them. And don't touch them. However, the nurses on this other birthing center were told, we want you to caress them, pick them up, love on them, talk to them. And guess what? The most unbelievable thing happens. The babies that were touched grew better, grew more rapidly, than the babies that were not. Isn't an amazing thing that something we would think so insignificant to physical growth, to God says, it is important. Let me tell you something. You come up and you touch somebody. You say, I love you. Oh, it's different, isn't it, than going, love you. Love you. God bless you. God bless you. You've got leprosy, but uh, I love you. I mean, that's what we act. I love a church that's huggers. I love hugging people. Oh, you can call me some kind, you can call me whatever you want to, but I have no agenda. I just love God's people. Amen. And I'm telling you right now, there's a transition that may be going on in your life. You know what God says? Broaden your shoulders. Pass through the host. Don't try to fit in, stand out. Number two, got to move quickly. Bell on the chicken's about to ring. Amen. Number two, he said, prepare your victuals. So number one, say it with me, pass, pass. Number two, prepare. 
Isn't this amazing that God would have them to get out pots and pans and ladles and start cooking when they've not done it in 360 Jewish days on a calendar for 40 years and they haven't cooked one time and now God says, prepare your food. Why? Because the provision is stopping. Oh, there's a a great principle here, Dave, and I know because I've, listen, I'm a composite of the influences of other people. This dear man right here and that man that pastors this church have been a direct influence in my life. Thank God for both of them. I'm glad I'm better looking than them. But I thank God for both of them. You can get over your bitterness later. Amen. I'm just, I love him, man. Let me tell you something. It's amazing to think about this. Samuel, when he was born by his mother Hannah, was not able to be brought to the temple for the offering until he was weaned. From his mother. Oh, my soul. Y'all know about weaning? You know what weaning is? Weaning is when your baby has to be taken from the source of their sustenance and taught how to get it from somewhere else. Amen? Because you're too big. You, some of you in this room getting too big to stay latched on to your mama's. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's time for you to be weaned. I don't mean to be graphic, but so you know, some of this stuff you just can't get unless you just shoot straight with you. I had a lady come to me in a service one time. She said, Preacher, we've been praying about leaving the church. I wanted to say it makes two of us. I've been praying you'd leave too. Now you say, Preacher, that's me. No, you have to understand something. All this woman did in the ministry, and I'm not picking on women. Her husband's just as mean as she was. All he did was complain about everything we did. They never were a blessing to nobody. Sit around and they say, What, what? I'm entitled. What, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> Janet Jackson, circa 1984. No, I'm just playing. Anyway, some of y'all don't know that. But anyway, she told me this. I said, why would you want to leave the church? She said, we're not being fed the way we need to be fed. And I know I'm a simple preacher, but I said, man, what are you talking about? We're just not getting what we need from the pulpit. I asked her this question. I said, ma'am, how long have you been saved? She said, 32 years. I said, can I ask you a question? You've got kids. How old are they? Well, there's one that's 18, one that's uh, 21. I said, ma'am, let me ask you a question. Do you still spoon feed them? She said, well, of course not. I said, then why should you be spoon fed? You've been saved. You're 37 years old in Christ. And you're expecting me to take food and open your mouth. The plane's coming in. You know? I mean, it's time for you to pull yourself up to the table. Somebody listen to me. It's time for you to pull yourself up to the table, get you a plate, get you a fork, get you a cup, and feed yourself. Prepare. 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 Which, if you're going to be weaned, you know why God weans us? Here's what God gave me, Rob. The reason why the provision stops. And some of you in this room going, I don't know why I can't make ends meet. I'm there with you. I don't know sometimes how I can pay all my bills. I don't know how I'm going to feed my family. I don't know what our church is going to do sometimes, Peter. I know you've been there, amen, as a treasure. I don't know what God's doing. don't know why we don't have the surplus and the resources to take care of what we need to. However, James, I've learned this. Maybe the stopping of the provision is showing his people that you're closer to the promise than you've ever been in your life. Amen? Maybe you're closer to the promise than you've ever been, so. Just got to hang on. And so it gave me this thought, my race. Number one, 
I'm fed from my Father. God feeds me. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Amen. Everything I got is from God. Everything you ever, ever done in my life, it happened through Jesus Christ. I'm fed from my Father. It's almost like God. Have you ever felt this way? It's almost like God does some kind of magic. I mean, we think about it like it. I mean, here I am. I'm praying for a need to be met. I go to the mailbox. I never get money in the mail, and there's a, there's a check in the mail for me. Somebody I don't even know. It happens all the time. I was in school, an ambassador, and I remember going to my mailbox, and all I got in my mailbox was a tuition bill that says this is how much you owe, and it began to grow astronomically. Over the, Can I get an amen from Bible college students? Amen. And I went to my mailbox, and there was a check in my mailbox for $1,500 from an anonymous source. Can I tell you all what I did? I had a Baptocostal seizure. See, because I know I'm fed, Callum, from my father. But if you're going to prepare for this time in your life of transition, you need to understand you're fed from your faculties. What do you think about? Do all you think about is the negative? Oh, I'm preaching to me. I do this a lot because my wife is the eternal optimist. I'm the eternal pessimist sometimes, Brother Downey. I have to be fed from my faculties. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? What do you look at? Do you look at the positive or the negative? Do you look at the rose in the vase or the dust on the table? Do you look at the glass half full, glass half empty? What is your desire and what do you focus on? Because your outlook determines your outcome. Let me say it again, Frazier. Your outlook determines your outcome. What do you focus on? I'm fed from my father, Malcolm. I'm fed from my faculties. By the way, Paul said this, and I love the fact that Paul said, finally, brethren. He said, finally, three times before that, in that book called Philippians, three times he said, finally. So I'm glad I'm I'm in good company with a preacher that says, in conclusion, and then preaches 30 more minutes. Amen? He said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, lovely, pure, honest, of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So, young people, let me ask you a question. Number one, you need to understand if you're going to prepare for this transition period, God may stop the provision the closer you get to your promise. But what you need to do is you need to prepare for that. Amen? Preparation! We never went in the field But what we didn't know how many bullets we had, we didn't know how many band-aids we had, and how many beans we had. You got to know how to take care of yourself, how to protect yourself, and how to defend yourself and heal yourself. It's preparation. It's what a good Marine, it's what a good soldier does. Ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you a question. You know you're fed from your father. You know you're fed from your faculties, but the third one is this. (laughs) You're fed from the fight. You're fed from the fight. Let me tell you something right now, Peter. I remember about a year ago, I was tired, man. I thought I couldn't go any farther. I'll be done in a minute. I know some of y'all are weary. I'll be done in a minute. And if you believe that, I got some oceanfront property to sell you in the middle of this country. Amen? Sorry. I really will be done. And when I'm done, I'll be finished. Amen? (laughs) Amen. Hey, listen. I was tired. I was weary, Dan. I felt like I couldn't go any farther. I felt like there was no hope. I said, I've got to have a vacation. I am depressed. I'm discouraged. And somebody called me on the phone and made me mad. 
And son, I'm telling you, every ounce of energy I didn't think I had rose up inside of me, and for 12 hours, I was ready to go. Because you know why, Isa? I'm fed from the fight. Boy, let me tell you something. You hit me, you better know something is coming. Amen. You hit, you roll up on me and try. It, we going to have fun. You say, preacher, what's your point? You know what? Some of you young people need to understand. You don't know what you're made of until you're attacked. Some of you don't know what you're made of until somebody says you can't do it. Oh, and then that thing. And you know what? You're fed from the fight. And you know what? I'm here to tell somebody in this room, fight! Don't give up. Fight! Thank you. Fight! So you're fed from your fight. Say, preacher, why are we fighting? Because we're not going to heaven we're trying to get the victory in this land we live in now. This is not our home. Heaven's our home. We're going to a place prepared for us, but we got to fight here. We got to go through Jericho. We got to go through AI. And don't be the aching that's breaking God's heart. Don't be that one that says, you know what, I'm going to fit in instead of standing out. And in a multitude of people fall because of your transgression. Isn't it amazing, Brother Dave, that most people. A group of people are affected by the sins of a few. See, when you do something that transgresses against God, you don't just affect you. You affect your boys. You affect your girls. You affect your mate. You affect the family of God. You affect the workmates that you're going with. Because, by the way, somebody looks at you and they say, that guy, that girl said they love Jesus. What are they going to do that for? Because, listen, if that's the way i got to act to be a Christian, I can just stay what I am. I don't need that. You're welcome. Thank you. But I got to get my third point. I got to be done. Say, you got to be done, Brian. You got to be done. You got to be done. You got to be. Okay, good, good, good. Need to be done. Got to be done. All right, here we go. Here we go. Number one, you pass through. Number two, you prepare your food. But number three, y'all ready for this? Oh, this is deep. Number three, possess the land. Amen? I love a cheerleader. Praise God. Woo! Just, I mean, it just makes me happy. Possess the land. Let me ask you a question. How many things in your life, and I'm done, you can close your Bibles. How many things in your life have you walked around six times praying? God, I'm praying, Lord, that you'd meet my need. I'm praying. You know, there's some things that you do have to walk around and pray about. There are some things in your life that you need to call the Word of God over in your life. And you need to, but some things, give me that Bible. That's how you take something. Did you notice I didn't ask my sister for it? I didn't go, Lord, would you please let me have her Bible? I didn't pray for it. I just went up and I took it. And in old English, I just snatched it right out of her hand. Amen. There's some things in your life you just need to snatch back. Give me back. Amen. Amen. Hey. Hey, listen to me. Listen to me. Give me back my children. Give me back my marriage. Give me back my... I'm going to go and I'm going to snatch it back. Give me my joy back. Give me back my peace. Because God gave it to me. And by the way, folks, I want you to look at me, young people. Jamie, this is a truth. There's nowhere... It is a violation by Scripture for me to take anything that is not mine. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. 
You don't covet your neighbor's wife or their possessions. So you say, preacher, what's your point? I am in violation and transgression when I take something that ain't mine. So when I pray, y'all going to think I'm some kind of spiritual nut. But this is what I pray when I'm in the position of transition. This is all I pray. Is it mine? Is it mine? Well, if it's given to me, then it's mine. And I need to take it back. Lord, give me back my servant's heart for ministry. And some of you in this room, you have gifts that are unparalleled to anybody else that you know. You've got more God in your pinky finger than most people have their whole body. And God's given you gifts, and you don't use them. And you wonder why you're withering up. And you wonder why the position, the, listen, the, 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 the provision is drying up. The close, you're close to your promise. But there's something that most of you in this room need to do. You need to take back what's yours. Give me back my ground. Give me back my, my maturity. Some of y'all get mad over the most trivial things. I mean, silly stuff. I can't believe preacher didn't call on me to pray. I've had a guy come up to me and say, I can't believe how long it's been since you called on me to pray over the offering. Really, bro? That's what you're going to come at me with? And you sit back there looking like you're baptizing pickle juice for four years and waiting for somebody else to shake your hand. Get up. Don't go to church to get a blessing. Go to be a blessing. Get out of your comfort zone. Because guess what? When it stops working, you're going to be put to the test. And it will stop working. And I think the reason, Brother Dave, God does it that way is so we will not get used to the what he did we will forget sometimes how he did it because if we got used to how he did it, we would, we would worship the system and not the source. You would worship how God did it instead of what he's done. Come on now. Did I already say I was done? I don't think I did, did I? Did, oh. <laughs> Some of y'all like, I wish that God shut up. We've talked a lot this week about war, battle, what you're going through. Some of you in this room have gone through some situations in your life and you've come to me with those. You've gone through some debilitating things that we talked about in camp this past August. Some of you have families that you did not choose to come from, but God put you in that family. You have things that's going on in your life. You, did, you, you are fighting battles you did not choose. Can I tell you this? Don't look down, look at me. Some of you in here know that the enemy, and by the way, David, sometimes our enemy is not out there. It's not the enemy, it's the inner, it's not the enemy, it's the inner me. And I have to battle so much with the guy I shave every morning. Every day I look in the mirror and go, you big dummy, you moron, what are you doing? Why are you not staking claim? By the way, folks, stop trying out and auditioning for a part God already gave you. Everybody in this room knows our enemy has a really big hammer. Boy, he'll come around and boy, the enemy's got a big hammer, but you know what God gave me? He might have a big hammer, but the devil don't have no more nails. 
He ain't got no more nails. You say, why not? Because all three of them were taking it for me at Calvary. And the devil's got a big hammer. But thank God he don't have no more nails. There's somebody in this room needs to hear this. Maybe, just maybe, I got one thing I, want, I wrote down just this morning. Dave, four years ago before Larry and Janie and the family showed up, I was working in a room that Seth used to sleep in, and the whole wall that was facing the outside wall of the house fell in and crumbled. We did not know there was not flashing around the chimney, and all the water came down, and it just, just decayed. The whole wall fell apart. Touched it, boom, all the wall came down. Had to fix it. Three days before my friends were coming to my house. That's where they was going to sleep, amen? I was like, Lord, you got to give me strength. I started ripping out all this stuff, and I got a really bad cut. And I should have probably gone to the hospital because it was so deep, but I put some, y'all going to think I'm crazy? You know I am. I put super glue in it. I did. I put super glue in it. I put some duct tape around it, and right there it is, Dan. It healed. Now, let me tell you something about this scar. It's to remind me how much of a moron I am. But number two, it reminds me, by the way, I want y'all to listen to somebody needs this right now. You know what this scar, Alex, reminds me of? The fact that I survived. There's some scars in some of your lives, and you go, I've been so wounded that I don't know if I can take it anymore. The scars, Alex, are to remind us that we survived. It's of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed. His compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great. Help me out. Great is thy faithfulness. What are you going to do when it stops working? When what you're used to don't work the way it used to, what are you going to do? i tell you what we need to do. We need to pass through the crowd. We don't need to fit in. We need to stand out. We need to prepare our food because God's getting ready to do something. Amen. Need to get to cooking. Stir it up. Stir it up. And then we need to possess the land. Hey, take back. Take back what's yours. Nobody looking around, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to ask you a question this morning. Nobody looking around. You're in this building and there's some people I've talked to this morning. And you know what? You're going through an issue in your life that you feel like you're about to succumb to. And you feel like the provision has stopped. Listen, God is using the provision as a vehicle to get to the promise. It may stop so that you will trust and depend totally on God. Some of y'all have asked me questions this week that cannot be answered except for God. But I want to ask you right now with nobody looking around. Has there been a time in your life, judgment day honest, before God, He already knows, so be honest. I ask this question so I know how to pray. You're in this room and you'd say, Preacher, there's not a shadow of it out in my mind. I've got the promise because I've put my faith in Christ. I know where I'll spend eternity. I'm going to heaven because of Jesus Christ, the door, the way, the truth, and the life. And I can raise my hand right now. Right now, I can put it up and then put it back down. God bless you. You're in this room and you'd say, Preacher, would you pray for me? I can't pass through the crowd right now. I can't prepare and I can't possess because I don't know him. And I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody in here concerned enough to say, Preacher, I want to go to heaven. I'm just not sure I would. And I want you to lift me up. Is there anybody like that? God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else? Just be honest. I won't point you out. I just won't pray for you. Anybody? Thank you, friend. God bless you. 
Pastor Larry's standing at the back. If, if you feel like when we stand in just a moment with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you need to go back and talk to him, would you do that? Your opportunity, as Brother Dave just preached, is about to end. You don't know that. You're not afforded a today or tomorrow. You don't know if you've got one. So make a choice. There's some people in this room, and you know what? With an upraised hand, you'd say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm trying to try it through the transition in my life. There's some young people in this room, and you go, I don't know where I'm supposed to work. I don't know who I'm supposed to marry. I don't know what the future holds, and I just feel like everything's stopping. It's drying up, and there's no more manna, and I don't understand it. Maybe you're closer to the promise than you've ever been in your life. And you with an upraised hand would say, Preacher, it stopped working, but I know I need to pass through. I know I need to prepare, and I know I need to possess because I need to take back what's mine. And you could just with an upraised hand say, Preacher, will you pray for me? God bless you, friends. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Could we do this? Could we stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? And I know this is probably unlike some of you have services. But I'm going to ask you, if you need to stake claim to a promise that God made you, not the provision, but the promise, and you feel like it's away from you and you, don't, you, don't, you can't possess it, I wonder if you'd have enough backbone to come down Commit those things to God this morning and say, you know what? By the grace of God, when it stops working the way I think it's supposed to, I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm going to pass through. I'm going to prepare, and I'm going to possess. And by the grace of God, I'm going to do that. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you need to come this morning, I want you to do that right now. Right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I praise you for your goodness. I pray for those individuals that raised their hand that don't know they're going to be in heaven, I pray that you'd help them to understand today is the day of salvation. Make the choice to choose Christ as, as Nathan sang about, I choose Jesus. God, for these young people today, Lord, I pray for the old ones and the young ones alike that we would make choices in our life to not focus on the pro provision as much as the promise so we won't worship the manna, we'll worship the land. What about it this morning, young people? You need to come? We're going to dismiss in just a moment. Pastor Larry's going to come. We're going to sing an invitation hymn. But maybe this song is for you. Maybe you need to drop down your guard, stop being composed, stop being religious, and just let it all go and say, God, I'm ready for, I'm ready, I'm, re I'm ready to possess the land. I'm ready to get back what's mine. What about it?